another episode of single dad why you mad i'm david and i am a single dad to my one and only child his name is miles he's three years old and he was born when i turned 50 years old every time you say that i get chills bro i'm clark i am a single dad to three girls age 18 almost 13 and 11 Uh, i had my first kid at 25 years old So just to be clear, if anybody is new and is listening, we define single dads as a dad who, Chris calls it, does business with his kids. We are going to merchandise that, uh, and you will find it on a t-shirt pretty soon. But does business with his kids, meaning, oh, speak for myself, right? So I had an agreement with my son's mother, even before we were in court, that my son spends 15 days out of the month with me, 15 days out of the month with her. If it's a 31-day month or a a 28-day month, we work that out, right? But he's usually with me on Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, he's with her on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, and then we split Sunday. And by with me, I mean, I get him, we do things together. I'm not picking him up and dropping him off at my mama's house or uh, my cousin's house or my sister's house or anything like that. So for our purposes, a single dad means you are actively involved in stewarding and developing your kid. You're not just throwing money at them or or their their co-parent. You are actively involved in spending time and developing and raising your child. How much time do you spend with your kids, Bob? All right, so I have my daughters at least four nights a week, and we have a lot of flex in our situation. So if I'm traveling for work, you know, my ex-wife will step up and keep an eye on the girls. If she's traveling for work or you know she has another situation going on, then I'll do the same. So in general, four nights a week. Yeah, one of the other things we like to do, right, Clark, is that uh, we like to be clear about what it is we're doing. So we like to throw out the disclaimer and let you know that you know while we're sharing our opinions, you know, we don't claim to be child rearing, dating, relationship, co-parenting, baby mama, or financial expert. We are exactly the opposite. We're learning while we're on the job. As I often say, we are flying the plane and changing oil at the same time. And the other thing uh, that we don't do here, because, you know, when people see the name single dad, why you mad, right? The why you mad is ambiguous for a reason. Uh, we're going to get more into that as time goes on. But if you're looking for somebody to commiserate with, to hear bash your baby mama or whoever else it is, that's not what we're doing here, right? This is a place where we speak about us. And it doesn't mean that every now and then me and my child's mom is not getting along and I might express something. But that's not the goal here. The goal here is not to bash the other person. Or or women in general. Absolutely. So we have a special episode today, which has something to do with our opening music. This is going to be part of our single mom's perspective. And I originally thought that this was going to be, you know, maybe one of a two or three part series, but I think we're going to leave it open on the back end. But we have a special guest, Kim, and I'm going to allow her to correct me and tell me (laughs) the name of her podcast because she connects 
she corrected me on email and I did not go to the paper to, to correct it because I wanted her to do it. So what is the name of your podcast, Kim? It's Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. Okay. And then you have a Instagram community, right? And what is the name of that? Yes. The Instagram community is called Single Black Motherhood. Single Black Motherhood. So we're going to have a conversation with Kim in a minute. But Chris, how was your week? What did you do? Oh, my week was good. My week was good. Um, you know, still getting back into the swing of things at work. Daddying full steam ahead, as always. A bit of an overshare had my first colonoscopy yay oh, my goodness <laughs> yeah so that that was an interesting experience so yeah. don't they put you to sleep yeah they do and i and i woke up and uh i was high as hell but that was like that was probably the most exciting thing that happened during the course of my week i survived it i'm good and uh you know i, I guess this is part of being a, a, an old ass man what, what went on during your week nothing spectacular enjoyed my life went out to dinner a little bit had a good time but that's it see i, I was about to put you a blast like who'd you go to dinner with oh god so what? What? Some, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Quiet. <laughs> so, um, we are working on an episode called the DILF episode, basically dating single dad. It's not as crass as it sounds. Kim's looking at me like, uh, okay, right? We can get into those sort of things when we get to that episode. We'll circle back then, and I will leave names out of it. But it was there. I had to ask, because you know the audience wants to know. I bet they do. So, you know, the single mom's perspective. And to start off, we're going to play a little game. Is that all right, Kim? That is fine with me. Okay, we're going to play a word association game. So we're going to do that as a bit of a warm-up. We're going to throw out some words at you. Uh, you'll get an opportunity to do the same. But we're going to throw out some words, and you're going to tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Is that cool? Okay. <laughs> all right. Am I going to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right. Pregnant. College. Baby daddy. Um. <laughs> do I write laugh, or do I write an actual word? <laughs> Challenging. Abortion. Choice. Motherhood. Priceless. Marriage. Commitment. Romance. Love. I'm done. Oh. I, I, I love the pause when she got the baby daddy. It's uh -huh. like, uh -huh. <laughs> keep it clean. I, keep it clean. So how do I keep it political here? I, I, like, all right. So I'll start off with love. A four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> Dating. Challenging. Can I use that twice? <laughs> you absolutely can. Money. Choices. Can I use that twice? We're flexible here. Okay. <laughs> Peace. Everything. The future. Unlimited opportunities. Oh, I like that. Do you have a couple words for us? Uh, <laughs> sure. I guess, like, I can go with you first since you're talking. So, love. Fatherhood. Children. Challenging. Career. Source of income. <laughs> Passion. Fatherhood. <laughs> Use that again. Purpose. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said purpose. Purpose. To not leave permanent damage. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm done for that one. You don't want me to answer David? those same things, do you? No, I can pick some different words. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Um, I like the money one. So money. I'm going to say easy for now. Okay. Money. Easy. Okay. Education. Important. Family. Everything. Dating. All right. So you did that on purpose. <laughs> You did that on purpose. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish the audience could see the discomfort. So, yes, yes. So, I would really like uh, to bring that up again if y'all gonna push the issue, right? Um, oh. Challenging. I'm gonna use who had the words? You had the word. We all use challenging. <laughs> I'm gonna use that also. Challenging. Um, communication. Paramount importance. Commitment. 
so what so when I hear that, right, I naturally assume that you're talking about dating again, right? And I don't know why y'all doing this to me. Why y'all why me? Why y'all picking on me is what I don't get. But um if 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 it has to do with like, you know, dating, um, you know, I do not know what to say to that, right? But um, if it has to do with my kid, I'm going to say uh, everything. Fair enough. I'm done. So, <laughs> oh, God. So, you know, I, I think we we did this little warm-up as a way to get to know each other a little bit, see how, you know, what's in the top of a mind. And um, I think it also makes sense to have Kim introduce herself a bit further. So, she introduced her, her, her podcast. She introduced her IG. But maybe it makes sense to have her share a bit of her story. Uh, in our first episode, it was called how the fuck did I get here? You know, I guess it bears, it makes sense to ask you the same question, Kim. How the fuck did you get here? You know, starting off with the best of intention. And when we say that, what we're really saying is, um, and, and this was uh, something that Clark regularly talks about, with the best of intention, you know, there's a child coming or even before a child is coming, you make plans for your life. You say, okay, and not everybody does, but you have the best of intentions. Speaking for me, my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. I say, okay, you know, this could lead into marriage and more than one kid and a house and a dog and all of those sort of stuff. So I believe I had the best of intentions. With the best of intentions, how the fuck did you get here? So being that I wasn't like older you know when I had my daughter I didn't have sort of the best intentions in mind when I got pregnant I didn't want to be pregnant you know so um her dad and I we tried to work it out as best we could and long story short I want to say when she was around one or two I made the decision to um end the relationship for what we thought was a relationship I suppose and so maybe months later I decided to uh, move and basically start over. Um, I talked to him about moving. He didn't really have anything to say. And so here we are in Houston today. We left Mississippi almost four years ago now. So when you say we, are you talking about you and your child's uh, father or just you and your child? No, just my daughter and I. Yes. So okay. with the best of intentions to provide a better lifestyle for the both of us, because I felt like there I was sort of stuck I wasn't growing professionally. I had just graduated college like last year. Didn't really feel like I could use my degree there. Um, and so, yeah, I thought like the best thing since I wasn't really getting any support from her dad as far as like, um, you know, helping out other than financially. Like, he did do his part financially, but other than that, it was practically non-existent. And so I just thought like with the best intentions in mind that I had to change my environment to sort of prosper for lack of better words. All right. So now I'm actually going to ask you to back up just a little bit, probably a whole lot. Uh, both Chris and I have listened to a couple of episodes on your podcast. Bring us back to the beginning. You went over to your child father's house after a night out and go. <laughs> birthday actually <laughs> I remember, you know to his house and that was the night I actually got pregnant so fast forward I I think I was in New York actually uh, whenever I found out I um I didn't have a period and I was like okay maybe this is just happening <laughs> like it's gonna come next month right it did not come next month and I'm still in New York and I'm like I don't want to ask somebody to bring me to the store because we lived on this um federal lab base 
And so we had to use a bus for transportation. So I had no car. Only thing I had was a bike. You couldn't really like bike to the grocery store because the area was like super rural. So I just told him like, hey, I'm pregnant. And he really didn't have much to say. He already had a kid in high school, by the way. So he really didn't have much to say. I got back home to Mississippi like August because this was like maybe June or so. So, so I got back so, in so, August. So, so you were in New York working while going to school? You were going to school in New York also? I was doing a summer intern. You yeah. were doing, okay, so you were doing a summer intern. You went mm -hmm. out for your 21st birthday. Um, your child's father lived in New York also? No, so this was my 21st birthday was in May, right? Uh-huh. So my 21st birthday was in May. So um, at the beginning of May. So mm -hmm. at the end of May, it was when I went to New York. Okay. All right. Oh, so you were in Mississippi. I, uh, okay. You were hanging yes. out. Yes. And then you didn't realize you missed your period until you went back to your summer intern in New York. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> By yourself. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Go yeah. Ahead. Okay, so, yeah, I let him know, and he really didn't have much to say at all, you know. So, we didn't talk about anything. You so know you how you said him. you guys have a conversation? We yeah. didn't really have a conversation. But you called um, I was 21 at the time. How old was he? Uh, 21 as well, and he was turning 22 the next month. Okay. So, you called him to say, I think I'm pregnant. Yes, I'm like, hey, I, I haven't had a cycle, <laughs> you know. Like, I didn't have it last month, and... You know, now I haven't had it again, so I might be pregnant. Like, he never uh, said, like, you know, well, you just go get a pregnancy test whenever you go to the store the next time or whatever. I was, like, in denial. I kept saying, like, this is not happening to me. Like, I'm not pregnant. I didn't want to take a pregnancy test. So I didn't um, take one until I got back to Mississippi. And how, <laughs> like, and how far? Away? <laughs> yeah, how far along was that then? How many, how many uh, cycles had you I was, like, missed? two months at that point, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, the call to your child's father, how long did it take you to actually make that call? Like, were you debating? Oh, should I call no. him? No. So <laughs> no. You, I, just, I mean, we have this sort of, I guess, relationship where we could, like, talk about anything, you know? Uh -huh. So I just called him and said, hey, like, I haven't had my period, you know? And it's funny because I was having dreams about, like, babies. So it was just weird, and I was and I was talking to him about it, and it was like funny because he said he had a dream too, and it's like, yo, I cannot. I was like, Lord, I was even praying, like, Lord, please don't let me be pregnant, <laughs> you know? Like, it was crazy. All right, so so you get back, um, you're about to take a pregnancy test, or so you're about you're back in Mississippi, and you're gonna get so a. So I'm back in Mississippi, and I tell my roommate at the time because I wasn't living on campus. I had moved off campus, you know, before I left for the summer with um, this girl I knew from work. And so I was telling her like, "Hey, you know, while I've been gone, I haven't had a period." And she was like, "Oh, you need to just go take a pregnancy test. You're probably just pregnant." <laughs> you know, like she had no chills. She had two kids, um, and she was a bit older. So I took the pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant. So then, like, I had all these sort of thoughts, and like I said, I was in denial, right? So I even considered, like, going to an abortion clinic, because I'm like, at this point, like, I'm trying to take care of myself. Like, how am I going to take care of a kid, you know? And so um, I what was year, like... What year, what year were you in school? How, many, how far along were you in school at the time? The summer, this was the summer before my junior year. Summer before your junior year. Okay, what was, mm -hmm. your, major, what was your major? Biology. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Jesus Yeah, God. so I was known as, like, the, <laughs> the girl who was always in the lab. Like, nobody thought, like, 
like, <laughs> you know, I would be the girl getting pregnant, right? So then it was like image, right? Because like, you know, I was doing all this research and presentations and this and that. And so like, this is going to change my life, you know? So I'm like, do I really want to move out. forward with this? I'm sorry? No, so I'm over here freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, like that's like literally two, three years older than my oldest kid who was also like a, a biology major. And I'm just like, oh God. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I'm having a minor meltdown over here. Yeah, so, but she has you. Like, I didn't have my dad to go talk to, you know, to say, like, whatever. But anyways, so, yeah. So, I'm in Mississippi. I take the pregnancy test. And now I'm contemplating, like, do I believe in abortion? Should I go check out the clinic? And I couldn't talk to any of my friends about it because none of them had kids. You know, they didn't know what it was like to be pregnant. Um, but there was this one girl um, that was in college. She had had an abortion before. And so I was talking to her about it, and I was like, man, I really don't think I believe in it, but I'm also like, I want to go see for myself. Like, I want to go see what the clinic is like, what the environment is like. And so I went, and it was, like, life-changing for me. Like, some women or, you know, girls were there by themselves. Some were with their significant others. Like, they were crying. The procedure is, like, outpatient. So they do it there, and you can hear them, like, crying and stuff when it happens. You have to, like, watch this video that shows you um, about the mental effects and it's just so much and I was just like yo this is not for me I'm just gonna Wait, figure so, this so out you're going to this, so you're going to this place by yourself by myself yes As, at, at, at the age of 21 yes and in Mississippi I don't know if you guys are familiar but it's like still I don't know there's still a lot of like prejudice and like protesters and stuff like that and so if you go and people pass by, like, they will know your car if they know you, you know, because it's small. It's and then small. also, like... Oh, oh that, so yeah. when I heard you say that on your podcast, you said people will know your car. I'm saying to you, I'm saying to myself, I didn't understand. What are you trying to say? That I'm going to get an abortion is on the side of your car? But basically what you're saying is because people know your car, they see mm -hmm. you driving in that abortion clinic so they basically know you're in there any of your friends would let right. know you're in there so it's not really private you know and the then you have these protesters outside that's like you know trying to tell you you're killing your baby and all these things like you know so it's really a difficult experience and it's <laughs> like mentally it's draining why didn't so, you ask why didn't you ask maybe a family if you're back home why not ask a family member to go with you my family lives like almost two hours away and plus i never told them i was pregnant yeah no i was like the only person at that time in college like everybody looked up to me i'm telling you it was this whole image thing so you were the first person in your family to go to college you're you're in biology so everybody's mm -hmm. saying oh my god she's a brain she's gonna be a yeah was your plan to be a doctor what was your plan to to, to be a medical scientist so like a biology <laughs> i heard so she said medical scientist i heard rocket scientist okay so biology your family's looking at you at this great person who was mm -hmm. gonna elevate the entire family and put us on the map right if you're the only one who's yes. you know or the first who's been to college and you didn't tell them so for, one of the first right but oh, in my immediate in my immediate family i was the first yeah. and is that the reason you didn't tell them because you felt ashamed or something definitely um ashamed i knew they would judge me um i knew there would be like a lot of comments made i just wasn't ready for all of that they i knew they wouldn't be supportive initially and so just to think of all of that um, at the beginning and having to tell them that I'm pregnant and like all these things, I was like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to face that at that moment.
Well, that's a lot of no. weight to carry at any age. But to be 21 and have to carry that kind of, uh, of pressure had to be insane. Now, with with your kid's father, was it more of a situationship? Or were you guys like actually dating in a relationship? Or was it just a lot more casual? What, what, how was that? Yeah, I mean, like we said we were in a relationship. But I mean, we're 21. You know, right. we don't even really know what a relationship really looks like. You know, we don't really know how to communicate effectively. Like there were so many like pot you know like so many layers to that you know but yeah we said we were in a relationship well i'm 43 and i still don't know what a relationship is but i <laughs> But I, the, and the reason I ask is because, you know, as you're going through this, where was he? So I told him, like, you know, like I was considering the abortion. Um, he really said he didn't support abortions, but, um, you know, like he wasn't going to be able to stop me from going, you know, like it's my body. Right. Um, so I told him the day I was going, he didn't say like he wanted to go or whatever because he didn't support it, you know, right. so was he wasn't going to be there. Yeah. And I didn't tell my friends either because I felt like even they would judge me, even though they were my friends. Um, you know, we were all like brought up as like um, Christians and like Baptist churches. And so, yeah, it was just like one of those things where I feel like I couldn't really go to anybody except the girl that I knew from college that had done it already. But yeah. even her, even with her, she had to go to another state um, to get it done because like after a certain point, like the abortion clinic in Mississippi won't do your abortion. Like you have to go somewhere else. So you're a millennial, right? Mm -hmm. So you would think that millennials, okay, I'm sorry. And I'm going to ask a question that I hear is often rude, but, uh, how old are you now? Is that okay to ask? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I'm 28 now. Okay. So this was seven years ago, right? But you're mm -hmm. a millennial, right? And eight years ago, I, I, I guess I, I always thought that millennials were like the free thinkers. Millennials were the one, you know, who were revolutionary with their thinking. But you're saying that, uh, you know, and freedom and choice and all of this sort of stuff. But it sounds like in Mississippi, that's not the case, that people are still traditional. They are very much so still traditional. Even yes. the millennials. Even some of the millennials. I can't speak for all of them, but yes. Okay. Like, um, yeah. And But yourself also as a millennial, you, you felt at that time that same way that uh right. i don't believe in abortions it is uh well i was questioning my belief because i was like do i really believe that i have a choice or do i really believe like this is wrong like it's like a sin da, 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 da. you know like all these questions i had in mind yeah and so, then with nobody to go to yeah nobody to go to yeah, so other than the girl I knew from college. So it's one of those situations where you have a, a certain core belief system, but you don't know what you're going to do until your back is up against the wall. And exactly, that's it. And, but ultimately, you decided to keep her. So I did, ultimately, and I like I went to God, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know like my faith is bigger than my current situation, you know, even at 21. Right. So, yeah, so, I so, made it through <laughs> Like once I like was faced with the fact that I was pregnant and I was gonna have a kid, like I had to get it together. So like there was no time to be like still, you know, down in the dumps because now I'm carrying this child and there's so many things that can affect the child. Um, especially since, you know, I felt really bad because I was in denial and I didn't want to go to the doctor, right? 
So I didn't go until I was like over two months because I was two months when I found out I was pregnant, right? And so maybe two or three weeks later, I had my first appointment. So, and so, I found out what I was having and everything. <laughs> so what was the catalyst, I'm guessing? What was the thing where you said to yourself, what, when was that moment that you said to yourself, I am going to have this baby? Um, the same day I left that abortion clinic, I was like, yo, I cannot do this. Like, I'm going to have this baby. And I'm going to have to figure it out. Like, that's it. Literally the same day. But was there something that happened? Like, you know, sometimes I'll pray to God and I'll say, God, please give me a sign. And then the phone will ring or something like that. And I say, okay, that's God talking. No, I didn't ask for any signs. It was just like, you know, we had to watch these series of videos. And it was just me like seeing, you know, the, the women that went through the process and actually hearing their reactions from the procedure that like missed me all the way up. I was like, yeah, I can't do that. You know, like. I'm going to have this kid, period. You make a decision to get the baby. Uh, mm -hmm. You go to see the doctor. Um, and I remember listening to your podcast. You said that this doctor was great. You want to shout him out? Uh, you know, it's funny. I don't even remember um, exactly his name. Dr. Sims, I don't remember his first name, though. But I do recall him, like, being on the radio, talking about this and that. And he was just a highly respected OB physician. Okay. Then you start getting it together with respect to, you know, going to regular doctor visits, you know, basically mm -hmm. accepting the fact that you are pregnant. Yes. And how long before you actually told your family? Um, I told them when I was like eight months. Eight months? Wow. Yeah, I didn't go home because, you know, I went to college, you know, two, almost two hours away from school. I mean, from home. So I was living with this girl who I met at work, who was my roommate. And well, basically, I was like renting out a room from her. She had a house. And so, um, yeah, I never went home. Oh, so you, um, you're basically I, hiding out. Yeah, basically. How often did you call home? Uh, I mean, I talked to them every, you know, every now and then. But we, so like, my grandma raised me, right? And so we didn't have this close-knit relationship where we talked like every single day. Like now, you know, I talked to her way more often, but back then in college, like, I didn't talk to her as much. So I would just keep up the normal pace of talking to her. But we didn't really ever go deep into like, how are you really doing or what's going on or nothing like that. You know, we never had those deep conversations. Yeah, it, it, wow. Like this is hitting me because like as a dad, you know, and w w as a dad who, you know, has a kid who's starting college in a couple of weeks, it's I'm like a light goes off in my head. Like, yo, if you're not asking the right questions, you're going to miss a whole lot. You know, yeah, it's like one of those things where if you don't ask, you don't tell. Don't like, right. You know? <laughs> it was like, this ain't the army. What do you mean don't ask, don't tell? <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought like they weren't asking me and I wasn't like offering the information you know I mean I feel like at that point I didn't ask them for anything you know I was taking care of myself so I, I, I'm, like I'm just playing so many scenarios in my head because like maybe two days ago in the grocery store with my my um my teenage daughter because she happened to be walking back from a neighbor's house and I happened to be walking to the grocery store and I went to pick up Basically, I went to pick up pads. So I'm picking up pads, and I'm like, because, you know, my, my middle daughter's like, oh, we ran out with three daughters. I have to keep a constant supply. And my teenager's walking next to me, and I don't remember how the subject of her period came up. She's like, yeah, you know, like, I had one in July. And I'm like, wait, how long ago? Today's <laughs> the 1st of August. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, okay. Like, she's like, you know I'm not doing anything, right? I'm like, I, I don't know what you're doing, but, but, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
dude, I and and as just listening to uh, Kim say, you know, eight months without saying anything to anybody, right, or without saying anything to your family. If I was the parent, I would be so so. When I think about this, right, it says to me that there needs to be like how many other people could actually be going through this where just being afraid to say something because you're afraid of what people are going to think about you like you keep stuff like that to yourself you know it's just that's not where we should be as as a people as a society as a world eight months of going through all of that by yourself you had morning sickness no when i was in new york i exercised like a whole lot because i was thinking like maybe if i just work out and i don't eat that much i'll like lose the baby or something (laughs) you know like it was crazy but yeah so i didn't have any morning sickness no real pain um when I went to see the doctor though my daughter was like behind um in terms of like weight so I had to like drink inter and stuff like that and I was trying to eat healthy and I was on these prenatal vitamins and stuff like once I finally was like okay like it's not happening you're not gonna lose this kid you know you're gonna have her um I got that in my mind and I had to start doing better but yeah I didn't I I didn't have a horrible pregnancy at all so you you waited eight months what was the reaction like I didn't go home until after I had the baby. Like, they saw me for the first time and maybe, like, because I, I did go home when I was initially pregnant, but you couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um, maybe it was, like, two or three months. So, like, maybe after I went to the hospital, I went home or something like that. Now, I did have a cousin that I told. Um, and she told her mom, which is my aunt. But it, then, again, it was, like, three months that I told them. But now my immediate family or anybody else did not know until the eight months. They kept the secret? So. They didn't tell your immediate family? Yeah, they did keep the secret. Ride or die. <laughs> wow. God bless them. And going home while you're two or three months pregnant, while all this other sort of stuff is running in your mind, and then you got to look all of these people in the face, that must have been difficult also. Well, you know, I hid it pretty well. So they didn't know I was pregnant, so they didn't really ask questions. And I know I didn't spend a lot of time at home. You know, because when I would go home, I would just, you know, visit, like, my friends or um, different other family members. And so since I was visiting my aunt and cousin, they already knew. So they didn't really, like, you know, say much. My aunt did say she was disappointed because she thought that, you know, we have this level of, like, trust in our relationship. And she was, like, you know, just really disappointed that I wouldn't feel comfortable telling her. You know, we had that conversation. But other than that, yeah, I didn't really have any other, like, feelings about, you know, being at home with my family and being pregnant. And they didn't know about it. Because I feel like if they didn't know, they wouldn't have anything to say about that. You know, and they never really asked me about school. You know, it's like one of those weird situations where um, we didn't really communicate a whole lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, you didn't hang out with them at all? Yeah, no. So there was no, like, social interaction, no, like, you know, family barbecues or anything like that where they could have caught on? Not at that time. So that was, like, the only time that I went home because after that I would start to, you know, like, my stomach would start to grow, right? (laughs) After that time that I went home. And so I wouldn't go back home. And so when you finally did go home and you, you know, well, well, actually, you told them before you went home. So you're eight months. Yeah, so I went home with a kid, you know, (laughs) like, when I came back home. So, so eight months in, you tell them, what was the reaction when you found Wait told a minute, wait. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm because I heard that. Oh. I'm going to address that in a second, but I want to know how your family ultimately reacted. Oh, it was rough. You know, like I, um, I told my mom first, but just a, like a backstory with my mom. She has like mental illnesses, so she's not like the typical mom. So that's why my grandma raised me. So, but she still communicates, but 
you know, her brain functions a little bit differently. So it wasn't a like a traditional mom would, you know, probably, you know, have so many questions. They would probably be angry, like, you know, so many emotions, right? But my mom was just like, okay, you know, like she was going to tell, <laughs> like, let me tell my grandma. I don't know. That was super uncomfortable for me to tell my grandma that I was pregnant because when I, whenever I left for college, she told me, like, you don't bring no baby back in this house or something like that. And that's exactly what I did. Well, technically, I didn't bring her back in the house to stay. Right. You know, so, like. What a form, was, good point. Good point. Good point. You, you know, but. You said grandma. Because she was saying as if like. Yeah, you huh? said grandma. You said don't bring a baby back in the house. I'm just bringing a baby back to the house, but I'm not bringing the baby back in the house. In we the house. That's <laughs> <laughs> And so I knew like telling her was going to be super hard because. That was the one thing she told me when I left to go to college, you know, because my mom did the same thing. You know, she went to college and then, well, you know, my mom was like, a, she was like 18 whenever she had me. So, but I, I don't know. She may have been like community college, but not having a baby in college per se, but mm. it was still the same sort of scenario. So if I was just a little bit further along in life um, than what she was. So I guess my grandma had already experienced that before. So when I told her, she was just like, why would you do this? You're almost done with college. You know, why would you go and have a baby? You know, and she just kept saying, like, why, why, why? And then she would, like, speak negatively. And I was just like, I just can't deal with this. So I would just have to put the phone down and allow her to keep talking. I don't know what she said, but I just couldn't listen. And so after I told her, you know, that was pretty much it. Sometimes I would ignore her calls because at this point, I'm like, all you have to say is, like, negative things. You don't ask me how I'm doing. You don't ask me like if I need anything, sort of like this whole negative vibe. Right. And then my auntie, she had like negative stuff to say, like my mom's sister. So everybody was like really negative except for my cousin and my aunt who I initially told. My cousin did try to reassure me that it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. You know, you're going to get through this. And what did she tell me? Um, she was like, things are not going to be that much different. Are you kidding me? But she had never went to college. So she didn't know how it was to go to school, be this girl who, like, everybody looks up to, you know, they think I'm so smart, and I'm doing this and doing that, but, you know, now I'm pregnant, people look at me a whole different way, like, even my mentor at the time, she had sort of, like, stopped talking to me, so it was just, like, I don't know, it was just so many things I was dealing with at that time. Did you ever leave school? So, yeah, because, like, once I had my daughter, it was, like, February, right? The semester started in January. So I was debating, like, do I go back to school, like, fully grown, pregnant? And then I figure out how to navigate, like, okay, who's going to keep my baby? Like, I can't really afford to put her in daycare at this moment because I didn't even have a full-time job. I was serving tables at night. And so um, I was, like how am I going to do this? You know, how am I going to go back to school? And, you know, my family's not here. Um, I don't have anybody else. And it never like, crossed your mind? It never crossed your mind to reach out to your child's father and look, and get support from him? Or you did, and they just did, and he didn't respond? No, I mean, he was there, but he didn't really have, a, like, a job job either. Like, we were both just in college. Like you know, so I didn't feel like I could even ask him, like, hey, I don't know. We didn't really have those conversations. It's weird. I was just thinking through this, like, as if I was in this alone, you know, like, how it's going to affect me. So, yeah, I didn't go back to school that semester. I ultimately decided, like, you know, I want to breastfeed my daughter. I want to, you know, be there with her doing those first initial weeks. So I don't want to have to, like, because my grandma was saying I could leave her there 
and then I could just come on the weekends or whatever. But I'm like, I can't, you know, breastfeed her like that. I can't, you know, pump so far away. So this is not going to work. And so anyways, yeah, I did not go back to school um, in January. And so I tried to go back in the summer, but I only needed two classes. I think I needed to finish micro and physics. And so, yeah, they weren't offered. And I had to wait until like the following year to go back. So I took like a year off from school and I basically worked. I found a job in HR for this nonprofit company. And so I was doing that full time and still working at the restaurant at night. And then I had moved in with her dad. <laughs> like during that time. So you guys co you guys were cohabitating for during like the first year of her life? Yes. But the baby was with grandma during the week. She though. came back. Yeah, she was with grandma. So whenever um before I found a job, like I had to take her there while I was still working at the restaurant because we didn't have anybody to keep her at night because he was working at night too. And so until I figured it out, I had to, yeah, I had to leave her with my grandma for some time. How old is the baby at this time? She was maybe like three, four months. So I would go to Mississippi and I would get her and I would bring her back for the weekend. And then I would bring her back. I mean, not Mississippi, but you know where we live. And so I would bring her back. Um, and that was like what I did until I found a full-time job. How much assistance did you get from your co-parent with respect to picking up, dropping off, feeding, changing diapers, that sort of stuff? Not much. Um, even now, though we were living together, it was like, I mean, every now and then he would change a diaper. Um, but for the most part, like I did everything. Did you feel like you had to do that because you were the mother? Did you automatically feel like the onus was on you? to take care of the immediate needs of the child? Or is it simply because he was uh, just not the type of person to do that? Yeah, I just think it was like, he just wasn't the type of person to do that. Like, even I remember like she was about to run out of formula and I was thinking like, okay, he'll see that it's low and he'll go get some formula, right? <laughs> like this one night she was crying and I woke up to go fix the bottle. Like he didn't try to get up to go fix it. And I'm just like, you know, I made the child with you, sir. Like, if you see that she's crying, get up and go fix the bottle. But it's like, no, he was right there. Did you say that to <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, why didn't you get up? And I'm like, so she's low on formula. Um, can you stop? Like, I think he was getting off work. I'm like, can you stop and get her some formula from the store? And he was like, uh, I don't want to, like, say he was, like, this pretty boy. But he was like, oh, he didn't want to go to the store with his work clothes on. And so, like, I had to go when he got home from work and go to the store and, like, get this baby some formula because he was about to run out. But he did keep her there, you know, while I went to go get the formula. So it's, like, things like that to where I felt like I was, like, alone, but we were together. And, and it's crazy because it's, like, you're 21 years old. And I'm thinking back about being a 21-year-old kid. Now, granted, yeah. I'm the first kid a little further removed from that at 25. But still, and I, and I realize there's a world of difference between being a 21-year-old and being a 25-year-old. Like, you, you just, yeah, your, your biology and your brain function completely changes over those handful of years. But, mm -hmm. damn, son, like, <laughs> and, and, and I realize also, as, as, you know, I look at, like, you know, the nature and the nurture of it as well. Depending on how he, he had a kid already at this point, 
at, at, at a young age. And probably, you know, that's a telltale sign that he probably wasn't involved very heavily in the rearing of Yeah, that. he wasn't. Then you fast forward, you're in this situation. Were you raised around kids? Did you spend a lot of time around children? Because one of the things, like, conversations I have with a lot of dads is as they're growing up, their first entree into dealing with a baby is when one shows up. So they've never had to change a diaper. They've never had to feed a baby. They never had to hold a baby. They've never had the experience. So it's like, shit, I'm gonna just let her do it because like I don't want to break this or mess this up. So Yeah, and he did mention that she was so small, like he would help out more when she got bigger. But I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> is that what he it's a very male fear. Wait, know? is that what he said? No, I'll help out more when she gets bigger. She's she was like she right just now? so cause I would like I would fuck like you know you're not doing enough or you could do this you could do that but he's like she's just so small you know that would be like his excuse I mean, but I'm like, this is your kid. Like, I don't I've understand. heard that so much. Like, I never had that fear. And I also grew up in a household where I had two siblings after me, a ton of little cousins. So there were always babies around. And I was always, like, handling babies, changing diapers, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, it, like, I didn't way. have that fear. That goes a long way. That goes it a long absolutely way. absolutely does. The same thing, yeah. At the age of 10, I had nieces and nephews running around all the time. So, yeah, that goes a long way. Yeah, but so, like, for a lot of dudes who don't have that, you know, who don't have that exposure to babies, it's frightening as hell. It's because it's like, in your mind, you're like, I'm going to break this thing. And there's no replacing it. Like, oh, my God. And the interesting thing is, you know, as you're talking about, like, the formula situation where, like, he should notice that there's formula. Right. He should notice. <laughs> but if he if he's not feeding her, he's not going to notice. But if I tell you that the formula is low and she's about to run out and you could just stop and pick some up on your way home. That, there's no excuse in that. Like, I'm not driving past the store knowing my kid don't have food. Because I got my work clothes on and I don't want to go into the store with my work clothes on. I have no idea what that is. Maybe that's just a... I have no idea. Like his, he, he worked at the, at the time he worked at like this prison. So he had his like, you know, security uniform on, I suppose. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know what, what was going on mentally. Was like it. that he didn't care to be seen in his like work clothes. I don't know. So he, came home, so he came home, he kept the baby. He came home. Yeah, and then you the went to the store. And I went to the store to get the formula. Did he ever actually go to the store to get formula, ever? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking maybe he had an issue with getting formula, like, you know, being seen buying formula. Like, I got an issue being seen buying maxi pads. God bless you, Clark. Yeah, you, you, I, I got three sisters. Like, I got over that real quick. You know? right. So you said you left off with, they didn't know you were pregnant till eight. What was your delivery like? I heard you talk a little bit about that in your podcast. Tell us what your, what delivery was like. You go to the hospital. Oh, I, I mean, you, you start having labor pains. You go to the hospital. Go ahead. Okay, so what was the actual delivery of the baby like? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I, um, so I was at my, you know, my friends or my roommate's house. And um, it was like, uh, I don't know, earlier that day, I would have been having pains, like, uh, or felt like my stomach was cramping. And I was like, oh, I just, you know, I've been cramping so much. I don't know what is happening. I feel like I'm constipated. I can't get any relief, you know? <laughs> and she was like, Kimmy, I think there may be something up. Like, you should call the doctor. And so, you know, here I am. I'm like, at this point, I'm maybe like 36, 37 weeks, almost like, you know, full term. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so um, I called and I think it was like the nurse practitioner or something. Um, I was explaining to her like what I was feeling. And she, um, she told me to, I don't know if she told me to like sit in some warm water or if I really thought I was constipated, then maybe I should take something for it. 
And I was just like, okay, she probably doesn't know what I'm feeling. So I called my friend back because she's had a kid. Um, I, well, at the time, she was a girl in college that I knew. And so um, I called her, and she was like, I think you should just go to the emergency room. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Um, I'm just going to try to see if I can get some sleep. And so this was around like seven or eight, right? And so I hung up with her and I tried to like take a nap and I could not get comfortable. So I sat on the floor by the bed um, and I tried to just like sleep with like my head up and I just couldn't get comfortable. And so finally I fell off to sleep and then I woke back up and then immediately my water broke and it was around, I don't know, like 11 something at night. And so my friend was gone, like my roommate, she was gone. And so I told her, I called her, I said, hey, my water just broke. Um, like, how far are you away? Apparently she wasn't planning on coming back home that night. Oh. But yeah, so <laughs> but she said she was up the street though. So I was like, okay, well, um, I'm about to start getting my stuff together. Can you like be back? And if you can't be back in like the next 10, 15 minutes, then I'm just going to go to the hospital. <laughs> so she was like, just wait, you know, I'll be there. And so, I don't know, maybe like 15 minutes, she made it. And I was about to get in my car. And so she took me and then I called, you know, my child's father to let him know. And so he met us at the hospital and we got there. It was around midnight. And so, um, you know, they started like hooking me up to the, uh, get my vital signs and things like that. And then they were like, oh, well, you're only like four centimeters. So at that point I was four centimeters and um, they were going to call the doctor. But since it was my first pregnancy, they thought it was going to, you know, move slow. So when they checked me again, I think I was like seven centimeters and they were asking me if I wanted an epidural. And I was like, no, I don't want an epidural. I had a doula as well. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, doulas, but I had a doula. She hadn't made it yet. Um, I had called her to let her know I was going into labor. She was like my support because I didn't have support, right? right. So um, anyway, so she was on her way, but um, they came back in, I think the last final time, maybe I was like eight or nine centimeters. They was like, this is your last chance to get your epidural. And I was like, no, I don't want it. And my, <laughs> my roommate was like, are you crazy? you know, you better take this opportunity because this is going to be tough. Like, she never had a vaginal birth. Uh, she had both of her kids um, be a cesarean, so she didn't know what it was like, you know, because she was trying to pressure me into getting this epidural, and I'm like, no. So um, the next time they came in to check me, the baby was crowning. And so at this point, the doctor hadn't made it, and, <laughs> like, my doula had made it, though, and so I had to start pushing at that point. And so finally, this doctor walks in um, as I'm pushing. And all I can um, all I can hear is like them talking about you know how like fast it was going, and then um, I was like trying to use breathing techniques, but I was also hollering. So my dude was like, "Don't you know? Try not to." Where holler. was your son's father? You just breathe. Uh, he was there. He was there like beside the bed. Um, I, at some point, I think I told him he could go sit down because like he wasn't doing it. He was just like standing there. He wasn't saying any words. I think maybe. He was shocked or something. I don't know. I'm like, you had a kid before, but I guess he wasn't there when his Yeah, he probably was. wasn't there. Yeah, he probably wasn't present. Yeah, so he was just like, yeah, I was just like, you could go sit down, <laughs> you know, like, but anyway, so I had the baby at like 3.30 or so, somewhere around there. I don't remember the exact time, but it was like around 3 a.m. And yeah, like the staff came in clapping because <laughs> I was like, you know, this young girl, like they didn't expect my pregnancy to go fast. And then I had her without an epidural. So that was delivery. Well, you're a gangster. Let, 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 let's see. I was about to say bad B, but I ain't know I didn't. Yo, you bad. You, you yeah. gangster. Because <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So my daughter was six pounds, three ounces, I believe. So I come from a family like you know that's that's heavily involved in medicine. Like the one thing that ever freaked me out was labor and delivery. So we, we spend a lot of time on, on, on the actual delivery and the pregnancy, but let's get back to you guys living together. So your daughter's about about one-ish, or is she about one when you guys are living together? How long did you guys stay living together? So uh, I wouldn't say maybe my daughter was, um, whenever like we officially moved in with, because um, the crazy thing, <laughs> our dad, he had a roommate at the time. And I was just like, I can't stay um, with my roommate anymore. I was like, I just can't do it. Like she had two little kids and all they wanted to do was come in the room and play with the baby. And it was like, for me, I was already like mentally like in this space. And then you got these two little bitty kids, and they don't mean any harm, but it's like, I can't deal with this. And it's like, I need time to, you know, like, breathe, and like, I just, I just didn't feel like I was comfortable there. So I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore, so, like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> and so he was, um, he was living, you know, with a roommate at the time, and my daughter, you know, was back and forth with me and with my grandma. And so I moved in with him and his roommate. And so he was like, when their leases of his roommate is going to move out, because his roommate would have his girlfriend over sometimes, and sometimes I would be over sometimes, right? So um, the lease, fast forward, the lease was up, and um, his room was open, right? So we had, we didn't have two bedrooms. And so um, I just want to say, I don't know if I found, like, my full-time job first. I can't remember exact timing, but I do remember, like, at some point I got, like, a full-time job. Um, in HR, and so I was doing that while we stayed together, and then once the lease, uh, once the lease was up, we signed a lease, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this out and see how it goes, well, y'all, it didn't go that great, <laughs> like, you know, neither one of us had ever lived with anybody before, I mean, we're still young, like, at this point, maybe we're 22 now, right, because my daughter is the one, so I don't know that it was just like, we would argue a lot, um, he didn't want to do this that I thought he should do. And then, like, he had this anger management problem where, like, he would get really angry if he asked me something and then I was just quiet and I didn't say anything. I won't go into all the details of the that whole sounds like that, that, sound, uh, that stuff don't <laughs> got anything to do with me. Do. I do that now. We do all of that sort of stuff now in relationships now. <laughs> I don't think 21, 22 ain't got nothing to do with it. But go ahead. Yeah, but he had, like, this anger management thing where, like, he would get mad, but then he would do other stuff on top of that. So, like, getting mad is okay, right? Once right. you're not, like, physical. But then when you get physical, it's like, okay, bro, like, I can't do this, right? And so, anyways, long story short, the, the cycle continued. And so, um, he never got better with what he was doing. And so, I was like, okay, I have to create an exit plan. So, I was like, maybe me moving out will sort of help our relationship. I don't know, because at this point, it's sort of like drowning. Like, we're, like, losing each other in the process right. and so I move out into my own apartment and um you know he was like he misses us you know he's working on himself he's trying to do better but like his actions didn't really align with his words and so I was like after about three four months after I moved out I was like okay you know things are not getting better between us we don't even go out anymore we don't do anything we're not really in a relationship I don't know what this is so um, let's just end it, you know, basically. And so we like broke up 
and I had maybe six more months of my lease or so I don't remember exactly and then like once my lease was up I was um, telling them that I was going to move. How long you guys lived together? We lived together for uh, a little over a year. And then so so your lease was up and you told them you know I'm out I'm going to Houston. Yeah, well, maybe four months or so before my lease was up, I told him, like, you know, I was thinking about it because, you know, like I told you guys that my dad wasn't really in my life, but um, at this particular time, like, you know, I had talked to him and his wife about moving, and so we had some family here, and I was like, um, though those family members would... And when you say him, you're talking about your dad. Talking mm -hmm. about you. Okay. Yeah. So um, we had some family members that, you know, said that they would help me out and this and that. And so I was like, okay, and I was like, okay, what do I have to lose at this point? You know, like, I'm literally working two jobs. I'm trying to raise a kid, and it's just super hard. So yeah. if I move, like, I just feel like I'm not losing, you know? I There's so many opportunities in this city, because I, I remember reading this one article, was like, on the list for new graduates to move to. Um, and it talked about salaries and things like that. And then it had like all these different schools, whereas in Mississippi, you know, you don't have that many choices as to where your kid goes to school. And right. it was just so much more uh, beneficial things there than, you know, where I was. And so I talked to him about it. He really didn't have a whole lot to say. And yeah, I just moved. So you've been in Houston now for what? Six Almost years? four years. Four years. Okay. No, my daughter was two, I think. Yeah, whenever um, we moved. So maybe she, uh, maybe she had turned two already. Yeah. So she's six now. What is his fight? What is your 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 child's father's financial support been like? Um, whatever I asked for, you know, he will give it. Now, in the beginning, it was like um, sort of <laughs> a little rocky because I would say she needs this or that, and he would sort of like drag his feet with, you know, giving it. And then, you know, one time I talked about child support. I'm like, do you think it's easier for you if I just, like, you know, do this? So I don't have to ask you for anything. I don't even really have to communicate with you if it's not about, you know, the kid. And so he was like, if you put me on child support, that's all you're getting, da 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 He wasn't for child support. And right. so um, he said, you know, he would do better and I wouldn't have to ask him for anything. And so we went through that whole stage for maybe a year or two. And then, like, today, fast forward to today, like, I don't really have to ask him for anything. Like, whatever he's responsible for, he does do, you know. Good for you. So, but he's not on child support today. So, um, oh, yeah, I, w I was just thinking in terms of his interaction with your daughter. Like, yeah. currently or, yeah. like, in the past? Well, I, I would say currently. Well, you well, actually, okay. if it was different in the past, why don't you tell us what it, what, what it was like in the past and where you guys are now? Okay, so in the past, like, just say growing up um, – you know, he would work, and after he would get off, he would, um, you know, if we were living together, he would spend time with her. But, like, once I moved out, um, it was sort of difficult. You know, when I would work at night and he would keep her, he would have that time with her because he had to keep her. But outside of that, like, on the weekends and stuff, he never called and said, like, I want to come get my daughter. I want to come visit or, you know, spend some time with her. None of that. And then, of course, once we moved, it's like we're in two different states now. So I'm like, you know, I have no problem with meeting you halfway if you want to, you know, get her for some time. She was like uh, two or three. So it's like she doesn't have to go to daycare. It's okay. Like if you want to get her for some time and, you know, spend some time with you and your family, I'm totally fine with that. That never happened. Um, he might have saw her like two times during that year that we moved. And then the next year, 
um, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but like last year he was deployed. And so, you know, he didn't see her at all that year. And this year, so far, um, he did come to Houston to visit her, but he has saw her like once this year. But there's no, then, no, um, she, FaceTime, no, like, no FaceTime? Uh, he does FaceTime occasionally. So mm-hmm. it's not a consistent, you know, like FaceTime. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So he's in the military now? Well, he's reserved. He's reserved, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has a kid from a previous relationship. Does he have a relationship with that kid? So I think, like, whenever I move, he moves back home. And he said, like, I guess the goal of him moving back home was to be, like, more active in his son's life. But I don't really know how that is going to be honest with you. I think maybe at first he was going to try to do, like, a better job. But then maybe he sort of fell off. Because I do remember him saying, like, he would go up to the school um, and talk to his teachers or things like that. But I don't know now. Like, we don't really, you know, talk about his son. I don't really communicate with him much at all anymore. That was going to be my next question. I was wondering, like, whether or not his son and your daughter had a relationship at all. Not really. Uh, my daughter, she recently asked for his number, and, like, he gave it to her. So my daughter, she really, even though, like, she never talks to them that much, she still has this, like, desire of, like, you know, having a relationship with them, even though she's only six. She yeah. asked her dad her brother's number it's like why should she have to ask you why shouldn't you as the father you know she's sick so (laughs) she knows more than you (laughs) about building these relationships but anyways yeah so they don't really have a strong relationship but I do remember recently my daughter asked what is his relationship like if you know at all with his dad um he talks to his dad uh, I don't know, though. I know growing up, because I, I did ask about childhood, his dad was, like, in and out. Like, he would sort of do what he wanted to do while the mom was there taking care of the kids. And his dad, I think he paid all the bills or whatever. But he sort of did his own thing initially. And then um, maybe now, I guess his dad is better. But initially, he was sort of doing his own thing and taking care of the bills. And the mom was at home taking care of the kids. So that's the type of, like, environment he grew up in. That sort of traditional dad's the provider, mom's the nurturer mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. deal. And you were saying that your dad um, was not really in your life when you were younger, but as you mm-hmm. got older, you and your dad have uh, nurtured a relationship? No, so <laughs> growing up, but yeah, when I say he wasn't really involved, he was sort of like in and out. So, you know, he lives in New Orleans, we live in Mississippi, and he would like say he would come visit us on the weekends, but he wouldn't show up or... Um, wait, 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 you said us, you have brothers and sisters? My brother and I. Okay, yeah. okay. So my mom has two kids. Uh-huh. So it's my brother and I. So he would say he would come get us. And, you know, sometimes he wouldn't even show up. And he wouldn't call to, like, apologize or say anything. But then sometimes he would actually come get us and bring us back to New Orleans and spend time with us or drop us off at his mom's house. You know, that was pretty much childhood. And then whenever I went to college, we had fell completely off. Like, we didn't communicate at all. And I think before I got pregnant, maybe we had started like talking and then we fell off again. I think I was actually talking to him about getting money for New York because I was like, you know, nobody else is trying to help me. I need like X amount of dollars for my plane ticket. Um, And he said like, he wanted to be a part of my life. He wanted to help me out. And so that was the one thing I was asking him. I was like, I have half the money. Can you help me with the other half? I didn't even ask him to buy the whole ticket, you know? And so he was like, yeah, I'm going to send the money for you on this day. And I never got the money and I never heard from him again. And so we kind of like completely fell off. 
And so um, I figured, I don't know how I got the money. I think I worked extra at work or something uh, to go to New York. But then, you know, I ended up getting pregnant and I had the baby. And then maybe my daughter was two or three months. I post like photos on Facebook. And so finally he comes back around and, uh, you know, we try to like start talking again. Um, And then, you know, we talk about me moving and things like that. And so we try to, again, work on this relationship. But at this point, I think it's too far gone because he thinks that I'm still this kid that he wasn't really a part of life. And he wants to sort of control what I do, you know, or you should do this or you should do that. And then when I have things that, you know, I'm like, no, that's not what I'm going to do. Or, you know, make decisions as an adult he doesn't agree with. It's like a problem. And so we just, we couldn't ever come to like this common ground. And I felt like he couldn't really communicate as a father, as a man, he would just always like go back to the past and tell me that I had this sort of like block because, you know, he wasn't there. He was, I was like, no, I'm totally over that. Like we're moving forward. You know, we're in the current state right now. And this is about what you've done right now. You know, you're still telling me things that you want to do, but your actions are not aligning with your words. And so that is where I have a problem. Like if you say, if you say you're going to do something, do it. That's all I'm asking. But we don't really talk today. I remember listening in your podcast where you said something about you may have had to call security while you were in the birthing room because people were asking um, your son's father questions about you being a virgin when y'all had sex or something like that. Yeah, that was I had to write a note to myself. Because they had never never met him before. So, you know, this is their first encounter with him. So they had like all of these questions. And I'm like, this is just getting too much. I mean, if we're the delivery room, like I just had a kid and y'all are asking this guy, like all of these questions. And I asked them to stop, but they kept on going. And so I was like, at this point, like, if you don't stop asking him all these questions, like, I'm going to call security. Because it was just too much. It's not like <laughs> you can pick it much. back now. It's like, it's a little too late to be asking those questions now. Absolutely. Did people look at you funny when you were walking around pregnant as, like, a 21-year-old, you know, like, five, six, seven months, did you feel like eyes looking at you in Mississippi or wherever it was, like, you know, look at this? I mean, people definitely looked at me, but, like, in college, though, um, it was, like, about to be fall slash winter, so I would just wear, like, a bunch of oversized, like, sweatshirts or long sleeve shirts, and, you know, like, it wasn't really noticeable until, like, maybe up until, like, you know, that December Um, But we were finishing up school, but people really didn't say anything at that point. If they did notice, they didn't voice it. Um, But definitely public, you know, I got some stares because I I guess I looked really young. And then even when I had my daughter, people would make comments and ask her if I was her sister. I mean, it was like terrible. When you had your daughter, they would ask you if that was, what do you talk, what do you mean? When you were walking around you know, random people like see us walking out, like they would, oh, you know, you're so pretty or whatever. And they would like say, is that your sister? And I'm just like, what is that to ask? (laughs) You know, like, but that's Mississippi though. So in Houston, it's a little bit more relaxed climate. Um, Yeah, super diverse. Where I was in Mississippi, now, where I went to college, I went to HBCU, so, you know, the, a lot more Black people in that area, but where I grew up, um, it was predominantly white, yeah. so maybe in my graduating class, there may have been five of us that were Black, I don't know. So, living in, in, in Houston now, I've been out to Houston a few times, love the city. What do you do for fun when you're not mommy? <laughs> 
do a whole lot. Like I'll go out to bars. Or Have you been I'll on any eat, dates? Like, Let's get to it. Have you been on any? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it to me? I'm gonna do it to you. You've been on any date? Are you dating? I have. Challenging. I have been on like a few dates, but I always say like my patience is thin <laughs> because I'm just like if I feel like you know in the first couple of conversations that we have like our morals and values don't really align, then I'm just like sir, I don't even want to waste your time and go out on the date with you because it's like it's pointless. Like you know you can pay for a meal and that's okay. You know, you can get your money back, right? But I can't get my time that I've lost back. I can't. You know, it's like I could have been at home doing something productive, but I'm sitting here having a pointless conversation with you. It's just, you know, and especially with, like, the dating app, it's like people all of a sudden, like, they want to meet up right away. And I'm just like, sir, I need to have a couple conversations first because I don't even know if you're worth me coming out to have dinner with. I don't know. Your time has, <laughs> your time has value. I, I am yeah. applauding you in the background here. I, I was back here clapping because you said something that's incredibly important. <laughs> And then, like, fast forward, as, as, as you're talking about, like, the dating, because I was going to ask you, are you a Bumble or a Tinder girl, right? <laughs> but, uh, like, are you want me to tell you? I prefer Bumble over yeah. Tinder, but... <laughs> I'm a huge, I'm a huge Bumble too. I have no idea what Bumble is. What is Bumble? So Bumble is a dating app. It's a dating app. app. The other thing you said is the immediate desire to meet. People are like, oh, shoot your message. So, you know, what when are we are going Are you available out? to meet? Yeah, like... I'm like, no, son. Me? <laughs> as a single dad, and you know, and I'm sure as a single mom, you can relate. Your time is valuable, so it's like you haven't said anything to entice me to want to meet you. Okay. I, I can sit on the couch with my kids. So um, <laughs> I ain't gonna say nothing, right? I have nothing to add. Yeah, you bad quiet back to me. No. I have nothing to add. So, Kim, let me ask. If you had to look back on this entire experience and mm -hmm. um, you met somebody who was, one of your episodes is titled 21 and Pregnant. If you met somebody who was 21 and pregnant and you had to look back on your entire experiences here, what would be the top three pieces of advice that you would offer that person? Ooh, top three. So one is find a support system. Like now in this day and age, there are so many communities out there. Like I had no clue, you know, this whole single mom community existed or, you know, moms in general, there's black moms, there's white moms. Like, like there's so much information out there. So many people you can connect with. There's meetup, you know, Facebook, Instagram, use the hashtag, um, find a way to sort of build this tribe of people that will support you. That is number one. Like you need the support especially like when you're going through these situations, um, communicate. I feel like a lot of times I became silent and I had all of these thoughts and feelings, but I wouldn't share them. I wouldn't like, you know, talk to anybody about them. So that is definitely something I would recommend doing. And um, three, let's see, oh, my final <laughs> piece of advice, um, just know that your situation is temporary it does get better I feel like a lot of times people think oh you know um, I'm in this dark place and I'm never getting out of it I can't ever do anything just know that you know your situation is temporary be grateful for the things and the people that are allowing your art in your life and you know that's it I think those are maybe the three most important things 
looking back as like if I was talking to a 21 year old and then if you do have support system like really appreciate them and thank them as often as possible because they don't have to help you and they um your kids are not their responsibility <laughs> you know people say like when you're 18 you're grown but you're really not um you think you're grown but mentally like there's still a lot of stuff that's happening even at 21 I feel like I didn't have all the tools that I needed you know and if you don't have like family or anybody like I am an advocate for therapy now um I go and I talk to my therapist and now I have developed like this sort of toolbox so when I get in these places of like you know discouragement or I don't feel like um, I'm where I should be, then I know how to deal with those thoughts. No, that, that, that's, that, it. that's huge. I want to invert what David asked. As a single dad podcast, we have a lot of single dads listening, and I know they definitely... Hit them between the eyes, Chris. Hit them between the eyes, man. It, it, they definitely don't have, in a lot of cases, the rapport where they can have the give and take with the, with the mothers of their kids and have direct and open dialogue. So if there were three things... You could say to the single dads out there, three pieces of advice you can give them. What would they be? Guys, <laughs> Chris. Kim, so one, I would Kim, say, Kim, leave your Kim, emotions. Go hard. Go hard. One, I would say, um, leave your emotions out of this. Um, try. I know it's hard, and I'm not saying like treat your kids like a business, but what I am saying is that. Um, again leave your personal feelings out of this this is about the kid especially if you're a single dad and you're trying to communicate with the parent like you have to be intentional about those conversations don't venture off into like how you feel or allow her to talk about how she feels like try to stay focused on the kid that is like number one um number two be accountable and responsible that woman did not make that child by herself you have a responsibility as a father do what you have to do period um, number three, uh, <laughs> uh, there's just so much. Yeah. Um, number three, get their priorities in order because I feel like a lot of times maybe the guys do want to be involved, but they are so focused on money and success that their kids fall below that. Like they're so focused on working. Oh, well, I don't have a lot of time off or I don't have, you know, this or that. Learn how to prioritize and figure out what you can do with what you have. Maybe your kid, you know, it's like my kid's father is in another state and you may not be able to see that kid all the time, but maybe you can budget so that you can see the kid once a month. You know, just learning how to work with what you have is so important. All right. So uh, uh, one of the things that we do here is that we have a segment called uh, Take Out the Trash or Pat on the Back or This Is Why I'm Mad. Um, and mm -hmm. we're let you go first, Kim. If you okay. want to take out some trash or you want to pat somebody on the back, or you want to say, you know, this is why I'm mad, now's the time to do it. Go ahead. Okay, so maybe I'll do, I guess it's take out the trash, like something that I see often, yeah. that I feel like warrants discussion. Um, so I feel like a lot of times people use their kids as excuses. So it's, I guess, I guess from a mom's perspective, it's like the moms will always be like, oh, well, I can't do this because of my kid, or I can't do this because of you know, I got to do this for my kid. And they sort of like lose themselves in the process. I don't know if that really happens with guys. I feel like maybe you guys have more flexibility. I don't know. But if you have full custody of your kids, then it may happen to you as well. So just knowing that, you know, your kids are not excuses and you have an identity outside of them. So whenever you say Clark, like I'm Clark as an individual, but then I'm also a father. 
Like, you know, your fatherhood is not your whole entire life because what happens after the kids grow up and they um, do what they want to do and then you're stuck trying to find yourself again. So that is my thing. Like, stop using kids as an excuse. How about you, Chris? You got anything? No, I don't think I have anybody I want to drag this week. How about you? So, um, you know, sitting here listening to Kim, I think I want to pat two people on the back. And the first person I want to pat on the back is you because I think that uh, you have done an amazing job. Uh, I listened to you speak from how you sounded before, you know, speaking in your former voice, what you were going through then. And then I listened to like the words that you use now. And I am thoroughly impressed. You grow. <laughs> I, am, I am thoroughly impressed. And then I think I also want to pat your grandma on the back because grandma said, don't bring no babies back to this house. Right. And even then, he still allowed you to bring baby to the house and she kept baby while you traveled and did whatever it is you can. And, you mm -hmm. know, I think that that speaks to the support system that we all need. You can't do yeah. that alone. That shit about mm -hmm. it takes a village to raise a child. That ain't no bullshit. That's real. It ain't. That's for real. It's super real. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, me and my son's mother, we have a schedule and we're flexible with the schedule and we go back and forth. But if it wasn't for his grandma and his auntie every now and then taking him, when I had something to do or she had something to do or whatever else it is, it would be just that much more difficult. So um, I'm going to pat your grandma on the back. Oh, thank you. Okay. You're going to tell grandma I said, what's up? <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right, Kim, you got anything you want to promote? You don't want to talk no, about the, I, um, your the podcast, Instagram or your podcast? Yeah, yeah, so I have a podcast, again, if you didn't hear me at the beginning. It's called Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. So typically, we just discuss anything, like any topic about parenting or anything that I feel like the moms may be going through. And then sometimes, like, I will bring on dads, too, to give their perspectives, but it's not often as I bring on moms. And I did realize that some of the moms are still in like this bitter state. So they don't really want to hear the dad's perspective. So I just say that if you're a dad and you're going to go listen to my podcast, then please have an open mind um, as you listen to what the moms have to say. And you can find it on any uh, podcast platform. And then if you're interested in what I'm doing over on social media, just follow Single Black Motherhood. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate no, you taking out the time to listen to what I have to say. No, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Because, you know, it, it, like I said, it's all about growth and perspective. And you, you, you know, you definitely give us some perspective. Yeah. All right. I think that's all we have for this episode. Um, oh, hold on. Okay. We, we actually have to uh, make them aware of some new technology we have. Yes. Oh, correct. Yeah, we uh, now have voicemail, right? So um, if you're feeling a certain way about something we said or something we didn't say, you want to comment on something that Tim said, um, <laughs> uh, you know, call in. Single Dad Why You Mad has voicemail now. 646-389-2852. 646-389-2852. And we may even play your message uh, on the next episode. Uh, Chris, call to action. Sure. So thank you again, ladies, gentlemen, and consenting adults for joining us. You know, we're going to see you in about two weeks. But until then, make sure to follow us on Instagram at singledadwhyumad.com. Uh, visit us at our website, www.singledadwhyumad.com. Make sure to subscribe, comment, rate us, and review us on all the major podcast listening forums. 
thank you, thank you, thank you so much for our thousand plus subscribers and for those of you who follow us on IG. Make sure to tell a friend the Single Dad Why You Mad podcast. Now